Hey everyone, welcome to a huge episode of Sky High Sports and Entertainment because it has been a huge week in both sports and entertainment. Today, I'm going to give you a playoff preview and break down the play-in tournament so far and what's to come. And then on the entertainment side of things, we had one of the best episodes of television ever made thanks to Succession. So I'm going to get into everything about that massive twist and what happened and breaking it down. So let's get right into it. All right. First off, the NBA play-in tournament is well underway with the seventh seeds having gone on to the playoffs and with the ninth and tenth seeds having played last night at the time of this recording about to play on Friday. Today, the day you'll probably be listening to this in some great matchups. So first off, what happened? We had the Los Angeles Lakers go up against the Minnesota Timberwolves and we saw LeBron and AD ball out and win the game. It was close though. They did not play amazingly in the first half. They got down by quite a bit and uh, it was close to being game over, but the Lakers came storming back and LeBron dishes the ball from inside to Dennis Schroeder. You can hear Skip Bayless complaining that Kobe and Jordan would have taken the shot, but regardless, the shot goes in. Dennis Schroeder hits the ice in my veins celebration, which is ironic because D'Angelo Russell created that and he was on the bench. And Dennis Schroeder makes the shot, points to his arm to point out the ice in his veins. LeBron does the same thing because he dropped the assist. And then Anthony Davis, who had a great game, commits a foul on the other end uh, and sends the game into overtime because Mike Conley, the veteran on the Timberwolves, makes three shots, three free throw shots and sinks them all, clutch moment. But the Lakers take it in overtime and are now in the playoffs, playing a Grizzlies roster that is a little bit depleted, especially with the loss of Steven Adams. They're still the number two seed. They've still got John Moran. They've still got a bunch of phenomenal players. So that's going to be a great series. The Lakers definitely have a big chance to upset, though. So we know that that series is going on. I'll get into the other playoff series in a bit. But I want to get into a little bit more play-in action, the Miami Heat losing to the Atlanta Hawks. They were upset by them. Hawks were the eighth seed. Very surprising because Jimmy Butler usually shows up in the playoffs, even though this is the play-in, it's still postseason. So with Jimmy Butler, yeah, six of 19 did not live up to his usual standards. And uh, the Miami Heat are now going to have a chance to play the Chicago Bulls on Friday and get into the playoffs as the eight seed. So that's going to be quite the matchup and surprising they're in it. I think Miami will do it, but we'll get into that in a little bit here. Because last night at the time of this recording, we had some big nine and 10 seed matchups with the aforementioned Chicago Bulls in particular. DeMar DeRozan makes his return to Toronto and his daughter actually won them the game. What? I know his daughter can you believe it? But seriously, the Toronto Raptors who shot 78% as a team, as a team from the line during the season, only shot 50%. And you could hear DeMar DeRozan's daughter screaming on the broadcast at the top of her lungs uh, in a scream that would melt a chalkboard down. It is worse than a chalkboard screech. It was unbelievable because she really, really psyched them out. And maybe even the fact that DeMar was so close to Toronto and it was her, but still, they only shot 50% of their free throws. They missed 18 free throws. They were up by 19 points and they blew the lead. The Toronto Raptors who won a championship in 2019 
really shocking stuff, but DeMar DeRozan and the Chicago Bulls are advancing. So we're going to see what happens with Toronto. You know, do they blow it all up? They got Siakam, they got Dreadman Fleet, but right now they're middle of the pack, which is one of the worst places to be because you're not getting draft picks and you're not getting closer to winning a championship. That being said, Van Fleet and Siakam can improve and Nick Nurse is a great coach. So I think they can still do it if they make some moves, but that's going to be a big, big offseason to watch for sure. Uh, speaking of Canadian teams here, we got to give credit to Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Canuck himself, because they won as a 10 seed yesterday against the number nine seed Pelicans, and they are now advancing in the play-in tournament. Uh, the Thunder were expected to tank this year for number one draft prospect Victor Wembanyama, but... They actually won their games, made it into the play in and showed that even though they have 19, that's right, 19 first round draft picks up to 2029, that's seven drafts of 19 first round draft picks. They prove that they are already good with Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, who is 20 years old and nearly had a 31 point triple double yesterday, and Lou Dort, who scored 27 points. And youth doesn't usually work in the NBA, but this team seems to be on to something. And they have last year's number two, Chet Holmgren, who hasn't played a game yet and looks like an incredible prospect and is coming back soon. So the Thunder are going to be a team to really watch out for. I think there was a lot of doubt because. We've never really seen a team with this many picks and mortgage their future like that. But wow, the Thunder are really proving, and Sam Presti, general manager, that they can draft incredible players, right? They did it with Harden. They did it with Kevin Durant. They did it with Russell Westbrook. And no, the team didn't stay together, but they drafted all of them. And it seems like they're creating something really special once again through the draft, which is highly unusual. Even in football, we saw Matthew Stafford get traded and they traded away the picks and everyone said they don't need draft picks. So it depends on your team. It depends on your organization, but this is really interesting. So with that being said, on Friday, we are going to have the Miami Heat versus the Chicago Bulls. Miami Heat featuring Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo with Kevin Love also on the team. Great player. And Kyle Lowry going up against his buddy and former teammate DeMar DeRozan, who will be on the Chicago Bulls with Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. So that's going to be an awesome matchup to watch. I do think that at home in Miami, I would be shocked shocked if Miami loses, meaning that they will likely, likely go into the playoffs as a number eight seed to take on the Bucs. And once Jimmy Butler is in the playoffs, you better watch out. Obviously, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's arguably the best player in the game. So definitely going to be tough for the Heat to win that series. But I think that if the Heat do make it, it'll be one of the best eight seed, one seed matchups we've seen in the NBA in a very long time. On the other end of the play in Friday, we have the Minnesota Timberwolves taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. And, you know, I think their chemistry after Rudy Gobert punching his own teammates in the last game of the regular season is just not there right now. They really mentally collapsed at the end of the game against the Lakers. Um, I think that Brandon Ingram really balled out for the Pelicans. It's a really tough matchup to predict overall, though. I think it I think it probably will be the Pelicans to close out the deal because they were strong mentally. That was a tough game against OKC. They fought really hard. It was great basketball on both sides. Brandon Ingram with 30 points on 11 of 19 shooting. Fantastic player. Obviously, you wish they had Zion Williamson. That's a whole other story, but we don't know what's going on there. It sounds as though he just said recently that He's physically all right, but can't be himself. 
I still think you should be contributing to your team. And I think he's one of the best players in the game when he's on the floor, but it sounds like he's not confident in himself to be healthy and be himself and that he wouldn't be able to help the team as much as he could. So they'll have to do it without him. So if they, if the Pelicans do end up making it or the Timberwolves, I don't really see either of them beating the Nuggets as an eight seed. So I've previewed a couple of playoff matches here, the Lakers and Grizzlies, the Pelicans or Timberwolves and the Nuggets, the Heat or Bulls and the Milwaukee Bucks. So now let's get into the other playoff matchups here because the Atlanta Hawks will be taking on the Boston Celtics. I think that Trey Young will ball out, but at the end of the day, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, I don't see them losing to the Hawks in the first round. If they were playing the Heat, that would be a very good series. But I think Trey Young will play really well. Um, I think he's going to have some great epic performances. But I just don't think that they're going to have enough to beat the firepowered Boston Celtics, especially with Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench. Other than that, in the Eastern Conference, we also have the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Brooklyn Nets. And look, it's been great to see Brooklyn continues to succeed, see Mikhail Bridges play 83, 83 games this season, has not missed a game in his five seasons as an NBA player, the true definition of an Ironman and reliable player, and he's balled out on Brooklyn, proven that he is a star player who is playing a role in Phoenix. Uh, we also have Cam Thomas, who can score out the wazoo, dropping 46 points at the end of this regular season, but... I don't really think that the Brooklyn Nets are going to take out the Philadelphia 76ers who have James Harden, who just became the only player in NBA history to lead the league in scoring three times and assists twice in different seasons. That is a ridiculous record. It shows he can do it all. And if he's healthy in the playoffs with Joel Embiid, who is likely the favorite for MVP and can draw seemingly 40 to 50 points at any time, led the league in scoring this year. He did it last year too, but still first center to do it since Shaq in 2000. I think that this 76ers team is going to be very hard to stop. And we're going to see how they do in the playoffs and how they come together. They could definitely be a team that goes all the way to win it. All right. So in the East for the final matchup, we have the number four Cleveland Cavaliers versus the number five New York Knicks. Cleveland is likely winning this. They got Donovan Mitchell, who is an absolute superstar that scored 71 points in a game this season, multiple 40-point performances. You got Evan Mobley, who's summer voting for Defensive Player of the Year. I got to cover him in college, and man, he can shoot the three and hasn't even shown that enough yet in the NBA. He can really do it all. He is an incredible talent, very special. You also got Darius Garland, Jarrett Allen. It is unbelievable how much Cleveland has improved. Then you got the New York Knicks, though, who really have improved as well with Jalen Brunson, arguably being a candidate for most improved player, turning into a star in his own right. And Julius Randle, who had a 50 piece this season, which is unbelievable. He really has shown himself. So the New York Knicks are not a team to be messed with. I think this is a great matchup. Cleveland will likely win it, but I think that the game one in this series is going to be a big tale of what is to come. So definitely keep your eye out for this series. It's going to be one of the most interesting and up in the air in the East for sure. All right, in the Western Conference, covered the Lakers-Grizzlies already. Talked a little bit about that one and eight seed matchup. So the final two matchups are the Sacramento Kings versus the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns versus the Los Angeles Clippers. 
I think that the East is a bit more dominant. So I think that the really fun and interesting matchups are going to be in the Western Conference first round this year, uh, including the Lakers Grizzlies. But wow, Sacramento Kings, Golden State Warriors, Sacramento Kings have balled out all year. They're going to have the coach of the year in Mike Brown. No one really believes in them, but they keep finding ways to win. De'Aaron Fox is particularly clutch, and this is going to be his first playoff experience. So we're going to see what he's made of. The Warriors have had major road woes, but in the last game of the regular season, they put up an NBA record 55 points in a quarter with a healthy Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole balling out. So you're really going to see if Golden State and their road woes losing most of their games on the road this year, some of the most road losses ever by a championship winning team in the year after they won the championship trying to turn it up and show that they're in playoff mode. And so obviously the Sacramento Kings have played much better than the Warriors this season, but the Warriors have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. So I think this is going to be a bigger series than people expect, a closer series than people expect. I think the Warriors can pull it out, but I think that I wouldn't be surprised if Sacramento King pulls out the upset here. So that's going to be a great one to watch. Then you got the four and five seed of the Clippers and Suns. So we don't know about Paul George's health for sure, but it sounds like he's close to making a return. The Clippers got Russell Westbrook from the Lakers. They got Kawhi Leonard. And then Phoenix Suns got Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Chris Paul and have not lost a game with those three on the floor together. So I think that if Phoenix can win this series, I think they can win the entire West and probably the championship as well. My overall prediction is probably the Suns and the Bucks in a rematch here, but we will see what happens. So definitely look out for the Phoenix Suns and the LA Clippers and maybe the Clippers play upset. I think whoever wins that series, which will likely be the Suns, has a strong chance of winning the championship this year. Before we move on to one of the greatest episodes of television ever created by Succession, I do want to give a quick shout out to the seven-year anniversary today at the time of recording of Kobe Bryant dropping 60 points in his final game, inspiring the world one last time and saying Mamba out on the way out. I was there. It was after I graduated and finished my undergraduate degree. And I went and flew out the day after my final exam. And wow, wow, what an incredible and inspiring game it was. I'll always remember and the Mamba out speech and the fact that he tore his Achilles actually 10 years ago yesterday at the time of this recording when he was having arguably his best stretch of basketball ever led the Lakers into the playoffs after everyone said they wouldn't make it he guaranteed they would and literally broke his body down to do it playing nearly every minute at 34 years old when Kobe had played through a lot of injuries so yeah that 60 point game had to be one of the best moments in NBA history and uh, I'm very grateful grateful that I got to be there. It was the craziest environment. Everyone was in pure bliss and joy and celebration for the entire night because it was his last night. But then he goes out and scores 60. First time he even had over 50 since 2009, seven years prior. So uh, definitely shout out to the Black Mamba and his inspiration and never give up attitude and showing us all one last time why he is the guy who proved that more than anyone else in the NBA. All right, so moving on to the entertainment portion, 
Let's get into that episode of Succession. And yes, there is a massive, massive spoiler alert here. So if you want to watch Succession, if you haven't seen it, then you might just want to stick to sports for this episode, because right now I'm about to get into what happened. And if you did see it, I'm going to provide some great analysis. I listened to the official podcast. I've watched the episode twice. I listened to every piece of content, read every article and read everything with the writers and directors and actors. And wow, what an episode. So spoiler alert, now talking about the succession twist, Logan Roy died. The main character of succession. Okay. This is like when they killed off Ned Stark at the end of season one in Game of Thrones, and he was the main character. But there were so many characters, and that was one season. This was the final season of a show that has been on since 2018 that we have grown to love, that has become one of the greatest shows ever made, and they killed off its main character with seven episodes left in the series. I think that we all thought maybe Logan Roy would die at the end, but to do it with seven episodes left, when he was just in his finest form in certain ways. Now you can kind of look back at it and see maybe he was struggling in some ways. It was absolutely unbelievable. Let's get into the way they did it as well in what was one of the greatest episodes ever. Probably the greatest episode of TV since Breaking Bad's Ozymandias, where Walter White's family and his son finally found out who he was and his brother-in-law passed away and everything came crashing down that you thought could in the first episode that was 10 years ago and this is by far the best episode of tv since then maybe one of the best ever maybe the best ever i think we need some time to digest but yeah the episode was called connor's wedding i mean could they have thrown us off more they called it Connor's wedding, and it was Connor's wedding, Logan's son, but obviously this was the Logan Roy death episode. But the thing is, is that last week, Logan Roy stood up and gave arguably his most impassioned speech of the entire show, the speech of someone in their 20s or early 30s who just has all of that energy and is excited about ATN and wanting to lead them into the next generation and how they're pirates and he's going to be around more. The episode starts off with Logan telling his son Roman to fire Jerry in just a classic Logan power move that uh, wasn't so nice at all because obviously he knows Roman and Jerry have this kind of messed up relationship where Roman sort of loves Jerry and views her as a mother figure. I mean, how can you not be messed up when Logan Roy is your father? But yeah, wow. And then uh, Logan tells Tom to axe Sid from ATN. So Tom makes a comment about how, oh, we're going to fire Sid and we're going to get rid of Jerry, just another day in the life. And Logan says, we've got to be more aggressive and gets on the plane with as much energy and vigor as ever. And you're thinking, oh, okay, succession building up as always. This is the time where he's going to screw his kids and then they're going to come back and screw him. And we'll see at the end of the series who succeeds Logan or if he wins it himself. And Tom then later in the episode gives the call that Logan's not well. And it's like, okay, we've seen, we've seen Logan in this position before. And the kids are really worried though. I have to say here, Kieran Culkin, Jeremy Strong, and Sarah Snooks, and Matthew McFadden as Tom Wamsgans, but those three playing the kids all deserve Emmys for this episode. I mean, it was some of the finest acting I've ever seen. 
the whole scene, the whole entire scene of them finding out about their father on the yacht for Connor's wedding was actually filmed in a 30 minute take to get really the raw emotions and feelings. And, you know, Jeremy Strong does method acting. So oh, he lived in that space. Probably not good for his health, but great TV viewing, incredible TV viewing because it was so real and it was so raw. And it wasn't like with Walter White, for example, when he dies, right, he's in the lab, in a shootout, holds on to the meth in a final shot. Like we're so used to seeing characters on shows go out with a final speech, a final shot. But in real life, you know, you, you don't really get that moment. You have the great memories, but that's why you enjoy every day with the people you love because you never know when that could be it. And obviously the writers have gone through this before with someone in their own lives passing because it was so real and so raw that they just got this weird phone call and he was sort of already gone and, and they had to say goodbye. And, uh, you know, obviously their situation is, is quite different than a lot of other families, um, even if there is fighting, you know, them being in the public and everything. So Roman tells his dad he loves him. Kendall says he can't forgive him and tells him he loves him, which is true after everything. You know, they, they really had a, an awful relationship in the end. And Sarah Snook, same kind of thing as playing Shiv. She can't, she calls him daddy, but she also is upset with him. And, oh my God, it was just so, so raw and so unbelievable. I'll tell you right now, I did not believe that Logan Roy had died until I actually saw the body bag in the last couple of minutes of the episode, because the first episode starts with him having health issues. He nearly had a heart attack last season when Kendall and Logan were talking with Josh. I mean, he just seems to always come back and be this larger than life figure, but it really humanized him. It was so unexpected. There's no way they were going to do this with seven episodes left. But what the writers and directors said is that they wanted to show a world without Logan Roy and how this affects the kids and what happens. And the show is succession. So someone needed to succeed him instead of him taking over. So I really understand the choice from that perspective. And no one would have expected it. Like we all thought it would be the last episode. So that was a really, really amazing, amazing job by them keeping it under wraps and doing it at the most unexpected time possible, killing the main character at the beginning of the final season. No one could have expected that. That. And there were just so many moments in this episode, right? They, they didn't even really show Logan. They showed the top of his head. They showed him getting CPR on the plane, but you didn't expect it. It wasn't once Shiv said that her father was pronounced dead on arrival in the press conference and that the kids would be around. I kind of knew, okay, this is probably real. But until then, they weren't showing us Logan, really. And when they did, it was the top of his head. And once you know, you know that it doesn't look good. But wow, they really, really kept us under wraps. And we were with Roman. Roman was in complete denial. And I think that's how most of the audience felt. And they really took you inside this episode. So now, who will succeed Logan? What will the kids do? What is going to happen with Matson's deal? This is one of the greatest shows ever made. They just produced one of the greatest episodes of television ever made and i cannot wait to see where they take it shout out to brian cox i think seriously tony soprano walter white and logan roy are the three greatest anti-heroes in tv history and to create someone after walter white like logan roy is just an incredible incredible thing to do because he will always live on as one of the greatest characters 
in television history, one of the most compelling, creating drama and succession and the show that we love being the central figure. And now we'll see what the world is like without Logan Roy. We may actually feel his presence even more without him around, knowing what the writers can do, uh, but definitely one of the greatest performances in TV history by Brian Cox. Everyone will miss seeing that character on TV. Uh, and kudos to Succession for one of the greatest episodes of television ever made and some of the greatest acting ever done. And I hope that it wins all the awards because it really does deserve it. And wow, what's going to happen? We'll cover it here. Stay tuned. Truly, that episode of Succession was the best ever. So between Succession and the NBA playoffs and play-in, there's going to be a lot of great content to watch and consume and keep entertained and inspired by, in the case of the playoffs, always inspiring stories and performances and succession. I mean, I'm inspired by the quality of TV uh, that they're able to produce and the reality and the reality of those feelings that they're able to create. So we're going to have some great guests coming on soon. We're going to keep covering great content here. So definitely subscribe and make sure to download the episodes that really help support wherever you listen to podcasts, to Sky High Sports and Entertainment. And thank you so much for tuning in today.